Letter forty three of Clarissa by Samuel Richardson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please go to LibriVox.org. This recording by Patty Brugman. Clarissa, or the History of a Young Lady by Samuel Richardson. Letter forty three. Miss Clarissa Harlowe to Miss Howe, Tuesday. March 21st. Would you not have thought, my dear Miss Howe, as well as I, that my proposal must have been accepted, and that my brother, by the last article of his unbrotherly letter, where he threatens to go to Scotland if it should be hearkened to, was of opinion that it would? For my part, after I had read the unkind letter over and over, I concluded upon the whole that a reconciliation upon terms so disadvantageous to myself as hardly any other person in my case, I dare say, would have proposed, must be the result of this morning's conference. And in that belief I had begun to give myself new trouble in thinking, this difficulty over, how I should be able to pacify Loveless on that part of my engagement by which I undertook to break off all correspondence with him, unless my friends should be brought by the interposition of his powerful friends, and any offers they might make, which it was rather his part to suggest than mine to intimate, to change their minds. Thus was I employed, not very agreeably, you may believe, because of the vehemence of the tempers I had to conflict with, when breakfasting time approached and my judges began to arrive. And, oh, how my heart fluttered on hearing the chariot of the one, and then of the other, rattle through the courtyard, and the hollow-sending footsteps giving notice of each person's stepping out to take his place on the awful bench which my fancy had formed for them and my other judges. That, thought I, is my Aunt Harvey's. That, my Uncle Harlow's. Now comes my Uncle Anthony and my imagination made a fourth chariot for the odious psalms, although it happened he was not there. And now, thought I, are they all assembled, and now my brother calls upon my sister to make her report. Now the hard-hearted Bella interlards her speech with invective. Now has she concluded her report. Now they debate upon it. Now does my brother flame. Now threatened to go to Scotland, now is he chidden, and now soothed. And then I ran through the whole conference in my imagination, forming speeches for this person and that, pro and con, till all concluded, as I flattered myself, in an acceptance of my conditions, and in giving directions to have an instrument drawn to tie me up to my good behavior. Well, I suppose all agreed to give Solmes a wife every way more worthy of him, and with her the promise of my grandfather's estate, in case of my forfeiture or dying unmarried, on the righteous condition he proposes to entitle himself to it with me. And now, thought I, am I to be ordered down to recognize my own proposals? And how shall I look upon my awful judges? How shall I stand the questioning of some, the set surliness of others, the returning love of one or two? How greatly shall I be affected? Then I wept, and I dried my eyes, and I practiced at my glass for a look more cheerful than my heart. 
and now, as anything stirred, is my sister coming to declare the issue of all. Tears gushing again, my heart fluttering as a bird against its wires, drying my eyes again and again to no purpose. And thus my Nancy, excused the fanciful prolixity, was I employed, and such were my thoughts and imaginations, when I found a very different result from the hopeful conference. For about ten o'clock up came my sister, with an air of cruel triumph, waving her hand with a light flourish. "'Obedience without reserved is required of you, Clary. My papa is justly incensed that you should presume to dispute his will, and to make conditions with him. He knows what is best for you, and as you own matters are gone a great way between this hated loveless and you, they will believe nothing you say except you will give the one only instance that will put them out of doubt of the sincerity of your promises. What, child, are you surprised? Cannot you speak? Then it seems you had expected a different issue, had you? Strange that you could, with all your acknowledgments and confessions so credible to your noted prudence. I was indeed speechless for some time. My eyes were even fixed and ceased to flow. But upon the hard-hearted Bella proceeding with her airs of insult, indeed I was mistaken, said I, indeed I was, for in you, Bella, I expected, I hoped for, a sister. What, interrupted she, with all your mannerly flings and your despising airs, did you expect that I was capable of telling stories for you? Did you think that, when I was asked my own opinion of the sincerity of your declarations, I could not tell them how far matters had gone between you and your fellow, when the intention is to bend that stubborn will of yours to your duty, do you think I would deceive them? Do you think I would encourage them to call you down to contradict all that I should have invented in your favor? Well, well, Bella, I am less obliged to you, that's all. I was willing to think that I still had a brother and sister, but I find I am mistaken. Pretty mopsy-eyed soul was her expression, and was it willing to think it had still a brother and sister? And why don't you go on, Clary? Mocking my half-weeping accent, I thought I had a father, a mother, two uncles, and an aunt, but I am mistaken, that's all. Come, Clary, say this, and it will be in part true, because you have thrown off all their authority, and because you respect one vile wretch more than them all. How have I deserved this at your hand, sister? But I will only say I pity you. And with that disdainful air, too, Clary, none of that bridled neck, none of your scornful pity, girl, I beseech you. This sort of behavior is natural to you, surely, Bella. What new talents does it discover in you? But proceed. If it be a pleasure to you, proceed, Bella. And since I must not pity you, I will pity myself, for nobody else will. Because you don't, said she. Hush, Bella, interrupting her, because I don't deserve it. I know you were going to say so. I will say as you say in everything, and that's the way to please you. Then say Lovelace is a villain. So I will, when I think him so. Then you don't think him so? Indeed I don't. You did not always, Bella. And what, Clary, did you mean by that? Bristling up to me. Tell me what you mean by that reflection. Tell me why you call it a reflection. What did I say? Thou art a provoking creature, 
but what say you to two or three duels of that wretch's? I can't tell what to say unless I knew the occasions. Do you justify dueling at all? I do not, neither can I help this dueling. Will you go down and humble that stubborn spirit of yours to your mamma? I said nothing. Shall I conduct your ladyship down, offering to take my declined hand? What, not vouchsafe to answer me? I turned from her in silence. What, turn your back upon me too? Shall I bring up your mamma to you, love? Following me and taking my struggling hand, what, not speak yet? Come, my sullen, silent, dear, speak one word to me. You must say, too, very soon, to Mr. Solmes. I can tell you that. Then, gushing into tears, which I could not hold in longer, they shall be the last words I will ever speak. Well, well, insultingly wiping my averted face with her handkerchief, while her other hand held mine in a ridiculing tone, I am glad anything will make thee speak that you think you may be brought to speak the two words, only they are to be the last, and how like a gentle lover from its tender bleeding heart was that. Ridiculous, Bella. Saucy, Clary, changing your sneering tone to an imperious one, but do you think you can humble yourself to go down to your mamma? I am tired of such stuff as this. Tell me, Bella, if my mamma will condescend to see me. Yes, if you can be dutiful at last. I can, I will. But what call you dutiful? To give up my own inclinations. That's something more for you to tell of. In obedience of my parents' commands, and to beg that I may not be more made more miserable with a man that is fitter for anybody than for me. For me, do you mean, Clary? Why not, since you have put the question? You have a better opinion of him than I have. My friends, I hope, would not think him too good for me, and not good enough for you. But cannot you tell me, Bella, what is to become of me without insulting over me thus? If I must be thus treated, remember that if I am guilty of any rashness, the usage I meet with will justify it. So, Clara, you are contriving an excuse, I find, for somewhat that we have not doubted has been in your head a great while. If it were so, you seem resolved for your part and so does my brother for his, that I shall not want one. But indeed, Bella, I can no longer bear this reputation of the worst part of yesterday's conversation. I desire I may throw myself at my father and mother's feet, and hear from them what their sentence is. I shall at least avoid, by that means, the unsisterly insults I meet with from you. Hate day, what is this? Is it you, my meek sister Clary? Yes, it is, Bella and I will claim the protection due to a child of the family, or to know why I am to be thus treated, when I offer only to preserve myself the liberty of refusal which belongs to my sex, and to please my parents, would give up my choice. I have contented myself till now to take second-hand messengers and first-hand insults. You are but my sister, my brother is not my sovereign, and while I have a father and mother living, I will not be thus treated by a brother and sister and their servants, all setting upon me, as it should seem, to make me more desperate and to do a rash thing. I will know in short, Sister Bella, why I am to be constrained thus, what is intended by it, and whether I am to be considered as a child or a slave. 
She stood aghast all the time, partly with real, partly with affected surprise. And is it you? Is it indeed you? Well, Claire, you amaze me. But since you are so desirous to refer yourself to your father and mother, I will go down and tell them what you say. Your friends are not yet gone, I believe, and they shall assemble again, and then you may come down and please your own cause and person. Let me, then, but let my brother and you be absent. You have made yourself too much parties against me to sit as my judges, and I desire to have none of yours or his interpositions. I'm sure you could not have represented what I proposed fairly. I'm sure you could not. Nor is it possible you should be commissioned to treat me thus. Well, well, I'll call upon my brother to you. I will indeed. He shall justify himself as well as me. I desire not to see my brother, except he will come as a brother, laying aside the authority he has unjustly assumed over me. And so, Clary, is it nothing to him or to me, is it that our sister shall disgrace her whole family? As how, Bella, disgrace it. The man whom you thus freely treat is a man of birth and fortune, he is a man of parts, and nobly allied. He was once thought worthy of you, and I wish to heaven you had had him. I am sure it was not thus my fault you had not, although you treated me thus. This set her into a flame. I wish I had forborne it. Oh, how the poor Bella raved. I thought she would have beat me once or twice, and she vowed her fingers itched to do so. But I was not worth her anger, yet she flamed on. We were heard to be on high, and Betty came up from my mother to commend my sister to a tender. She went down accordingly, threatening me with letting everyone know what a violent creature I had shown myself to be. Tuesday noon, March 21st. I have as yet heard no more of my sister, and have not courage enough to insist upon throwing myself at the feet of my father and mother, as I thought in my heat of temper I should be able to do. And I am now grown as calm as ever, and were Bella to come up again, as fit to be played upon as before. I am indeed sorry that I sent her from me in such disorder, but my papa's letter threatening me with my uncle Anthony's house and chapel terrifies me strangely, and by their silence I am afraid some new storm is gathering. But what shall I do with this loveless? I have just now but the unsuspected hole in the wall that I told you of in my letter by Hannah got a letter from him. So uneasy is he for fear that I should be prevailed upon in Psalm's favor, so full of menaces, if I am so, so resenting the usage I receive, for how can I not tell? But he has undoubted intelligence of all that is done in the family. Such protestations of inviolable faith and honor, such vows of reformation, such pressing arguments to escape from this disgraceful confinement. Oh, my Nancy, what shall I do with this loveless? End of letter 43 Read by Patty Brugman.